So we're continuing our series, as Raj just said, on being a community. What does that mean? Particularly thinking about our community groups as well. So the theme for this morning is being a loving community. And we're going to be reading a passage from 1 John. And as I said, it's 1 John uh, uh, chapter 4, reading from verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And then just adding this, particularly following on from this morning's uh, worship time, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Father God, we come to you this morning knowing that you are love. And as we come to you this morning, we ask, would you bring glory to Jesus? I pray let this passage come alive to us as you speak to us by the Spirit that we might be changed by your word and changed by you. To be a people who love one another because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Spirit. Lord, let us leave knowing we've met you today that we've heard you, that we've been changed because of you. Thank you, God. Amen. Right. Okay. So, as we read this passage, we may hit a problem. And you may say, what's the problem? It's this. Is there a problem? It's teaching me to close my Bible. Is there a problem in John, in his passage, in his letter, saying in verse 7, a Christian can't help but love, and then saying to them, on the other hand, now love one another. Is it inconsistent to have this guarantee, this promise, that a Christian can't help but love, but then also this instruction to love? Is this inconsistency? Why do we need the second one? if the first one is true. So I've got three headings this morning, and uh, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what seems to be two inconsistencies. But first, we must start with God. In fact, this passage forces us to start with God. So my heading number one is the source of love. See, John says... Love comes from God. 
And we understand this, don't we? Yeah, we know God, God is a loving God, yeah. But it goes further than that. John says, God is love. Wayne Grudem, a famous American uh, Bible teacher, says this about God's love and about this passage. God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. See, love isn't just something God does. Just one of his attributes, one of the things he does, one of his activities. It is who he is. It's not like a job application, whether you fill out a job application, you think of all your good qualities, don't you? And uh, you think, okay, right, um, oh, I'm hardworking, yep, I'll write that down. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a team player, you always write that one down, even if you're not. Uh, I'm a team player. <laughs> um, uh, I'm very punctual. Oh, uh, and, and I'm loving as well. It's not as if God was writing an application form and just kind of adding, oh, I'm loving on at the end. No, he is love. See, even before us humans were around, even before the world was around, the Bible tells us about the love of God. It tells us there was love in the Trinity. Trinity is a way we understand God in three persons, one God, three persons. There was love in that Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus says uh, in John 17. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me, because you have loved me before the creation of the world. The Father loves the Son. Here's what the Son says. He loves the Father. John 14, the world must learn that I love the Father, and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. See, when we see that God is love, we really realise that our societies really don't understand what love is and the meaning of loving one another. See, there's almost this idea in Western culture that you're not a true friend with someone until it's been confirmed on Facebook. Oh, they're they're my friend. But why haven't they added me on Facebook? Maybe they're not my friend. And we say things like, oh, I love my phone. I love my car. But then we don't tell our kids or our husband or our wife. Even worse, our societies will abuse love. Rather than love being something we give from ourselves to others, it becomes about what's in it for me? What can I get from love? Or we see the dreadful abuse of love where a boy says to a girl, you know, I'll tell her I love her just so I can sleep with her. But do you know I don't mean it? Love expressed in marriage, in lifelong committed marriage. No, 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 no. No, that's, no I'm not thinking of that. I'll just say it. But I don't mean it. Or perhaps a girl that says, well, I'll tell him I love him because I'm desperate for love. I'm desperate for attention. I'm desperate for acceptance and to be loved back. See, our problem is this. Our society has ditched God. It's removed him. And when we remove God, who is love, we end up with a warped and damaged view of what love is. See, if we want love, but we take out God, who is the very definition of love, we end up in all sorts of mess. 
See, this is a very important passage we're reading this morning. And it's very important that we don't read something into it that's not there. It says this in verse 7. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So he's not saying anyone on earth that uh, loves is a Christian. They're a part of God's family. You know, my friend loves his husband. Oh, maybe th- that means they're part of God's family. My, my friend loves his mum and dad. Oh, that means they're a Christian. That means they're part of... No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying something much more radical. He's saying love is a proof that someone has genuine faith because they've been born into God's family. And that brings me to my second point, which is this, the certainty of love. See, John is addressing Christians primarily. We need to see that in this passage, he's addressing Christians. And when we see Christians loving one another in amazing, loving community, it shows they've been made a new people by God. See, when we see God's love, it totally changes us. Even in this passage, John says, God, uh, God has shown his love, showed his love among us. And what is this love that he has shown to us? What is it? It's this. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. He says he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So John says we didn't love God. That's not how we understand love. Not that we loved God. In fact, as humans, we've turned our back on God. We've, we've abused love. We've rejected the one love comes from. But in spite of our rejection of that love, he sent his son. He sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. To pay the punishment that we deserved, he paid for us on the cross. This Jesus, who had never done anything wrong, in fact, had done everything right, paid the punishment for our sins, chose to go to the cross. That is love. See, showed his love, it says. The love of God is shown among us. I love the fact that the love of God is rooted as well in a historical event. It happened 2,000 years ago. No one will argue that. Historians will rarely argue that a man died called Jesus and was crucified. They might argue about the meaning of that. They might argue about a lot of other things. But 2,000 years ago, the love of God was shown to you and I and expressed in Christ. It's rooted in history. Perhaps you ask, how do I know God loves me sometimes? Does God love me? I sometimes don't feel the love of God. Yeah, he does. And he showed it on the cross. And how how does God see you now? Now that he's expressed his love to you, now that he's died on the cross, now you've accepted him, he says, Raj. I look at Raj, God says, and I see the punishment was put on Jesus. And now I see the righteousness of Christ and Raj's life hidden in me. Alice, I see the righteousness of Christ. Now, not her sin, because it was paid for on the cross. And that's how I see Alice, says God. 
This is amazing, amazing love. And see, when we receive this love, we are utterly changed, totally changed. This is the good news of the gospel. John says, he's clear about it, anyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. And amazingly, when we're born of God, we we start loving others. We start wanting to love others and wanting to love other Christians too. Um, I had a friend growing up. I had more than one friend, but I did have one particular friend, and uh, he was a few years older than me. In fact, he was a mutual friend of of Jamie and mine, actually. Um, And uh, we we grew up together, um, and he used to pester me about coming to church and coming to church events and going to youth group and, and going to kind of youth events that were happening in the town. He used to ring me up and say, oh, come on, Simon, do you want to go? And I would find excuses because I really didn't want to go, really. And uh, he would say, come on, and he'd ring me up the next time. Come on, you really want to go? It'd be great. You'd enjoy it. I'd be like, oh, no, whatever. And uh, he, he kept going and kept going. Do you know, I would have given up on me, if I'm really honest. <laughs> the amount of, the amount of uh, um, opposition I put up. But he didn't. He kept going. And uh, then one Easter, I remember, seeing Jesus, who he is, what he'd done for me, making a decision to follow him and accept him into my life. And do you know what? Suddenly, suddenly I wanted to be around other Christians. Suddenly, I wanted to go to other youth events. I wanted to get to know other young Christians. I wanted to be there. I wanted to interact with them. I wanted to find out what it means to to know them and have friendship with them. Something had happened. It was the love of God had come into my life. Maybe you know that's true for you as well. Maybe that story could be said of you too. See, the answer to being a loving community is to know God. See, it was put this this way um, by one commentator I read. The cross is the way of salvation and the key to community. I'll say that again. The cross is the way of salvation and the key to community. See, when God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we cannot but help but love. And on to my third and final point. See, John instructs them to love each other. And uh, it's here we ask. It's here we ask our question again. Is it inconsistent for the Bible to say a Christian cannot help but love and then to instruct them to love one another? Surely you don't need the second part if you've got the first part. We can go home now. Look, we don't need this final point, do we? Because it's inconsistent. We don't need it. Can't we go home now? Some of you are saying, yes, please, let's go down. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no to the point, not no, you can't go home. You're free to go home. No to the point. It's not inconsistent. And why is it not inconsistent? Because God is fulfilling his promise through his word. See, God fulfills his promise 
through his spirit working in us. As he works the truth of this, the word of God, in our lives. See, it's so true. And that's so true of so much of the teaching of the New Testament. Become what you are. Be who you are. For instance, the Bible says you are a new creation. Now be that new creation. The Bible says don't sin. Now it doesn't say don't sin because don't you know it's wrong and uh, you shouldn't do it. The Bible says no, no, don't sin. Because you used to be a slave to sin. You used to have to do what sin said. But now you're a Christian. You're dead to sin. Why would you want to go back to sin? No, don't sin. Why would you want to go back to being something you're not anymore? This is the teaching of the gospel. This is so, so true. And we're instructed because there's choices to make in life. There's choices to make in the Christian life, isn't there? It's not all automatic. You might hear people that say, well, I don't need to listen to teaching from the Bible. I don't need to listen to, I don't need to read the Bible even. I don't need to hear what it says for me. I just need to love God and, uh, and uh, that's it. And I don't need to listen to teaching. I don't need to sit and read the Bible. That's nonsense. See, as we know Jesus, through his word, through his spirit working in us, he speaks to us. And we see who he is and who we are in him. And he says, now be who you are. Do how I've made you to live. So the message of this passage is, you can't help but love one another. Now love one another. So what are some of the ways that love is worked out in our community? I just want to have a look at these, just briefly. It's a sacrificial love. A sacrificial love. I want to just address men for a little bit, for a moment. Women, you can still listen, that's okay. But I want to just address men. See, sometimes the talk of love can be difficult, can't it? We kind of sometimes think that love has to be a bit wet and soppy. I don't know how you translate soppy, but uh, wimpish. And, uh, you know, you might see um, a a new in love couple and uh, they just get silly sometimes. And it's, oh, I love you. No, I love you. Or they'll say, they'll they'll have it in my little bunny bunny. Come on. (laughs) Where's some some new love? I don't want to pick on anyone, to be honest. But they'll just get silly and just do silly little, ooh. And that's what I mean. Sometimes, sometimes we can kind of think that's what love is. It's all soppy and wet. and oh, that's, that's love. And uh, sometimes as men, we kind of go, oh, yeah. Oh, if that's love, I'm not sure about that. But there is nothing soppy and wet about the love of Christ. It's a sacrificial love. He took on our sin. He bore the punishment we deserved on the cross. Men, don't just think, oh, love is just what women are good at. Learn to love sacrificially. Men, are we learning to love one another as men, as brothers? Are we learning to love women around us as dearly loved sisters? 
See, sacrificial love can be hard sometimes. It can be uncomfortable sometimes. It can put us out. It can mean tough choices. But that's the Christian life. No one said it was going to be easy. That's the Christian life. So it's a sacrificial love, but it's also a practical love. See, when we look at uh, what Jesus did for his disciples, um, we look at a passage in John 13, and uh, it says that before they sat down to eat a meal, it says Jesus showed them the full extent of his love. And what did he do? He washed their feet. Maybe you know this account. See, that act of washing feet, it says so much, and so much of, of who Jesus is and his rescue of us and all that, which we haven't really got time to go into. But what did he do? He got down and he washed their dirty, smelly feet. They would have been, you know, first century life would have been dusty. They wouldn't have had shoes like we had. They'd have been stinky feet and dirty feet. And it was actually the, sla- the job of the slave to, uh, as, as your guests entered, to wash the feet of your guests. But what's Jesus saying? He says it, in fact, at the end. He says, so I've done this. I set an example for you. Showing, showing something of how to love one another. See, it was a practical love. And uh, I want to reiterate this as we talk about community groups and how this applies to our community groups. It's so important that we are sharing life together as a people together. It's so important that we share life so that we can show love to one another in practical ways. You know, it was great this morning to pray for one another, wasn't it? It's great to be able to show love to one another and pray for one another. But do you know, we can also show practical love to one another too. We can use loads of areas of our lives to help one another. Our possessions, our time, our skills, our money. That we would see that the love of God for us has meant that we haven't got a desire to hold on to our things. These are my things. They're not your things. I need to guard my things. Ah, that we see the love of God has come into our lives. And we can practically love one another with all our lives, including our time, our skills, our possessions, our money. And how else does it look? Well, it's a love that points to God. So we get this word in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. So this is a phrase John's used before, and he uses it in the start of his gospel, in uh, the first uh, chapter when he's talking about Jesus and how amazing he is. And he says, no one's ever seen God, but Jesus has made him known. And do you know he's using the same phrase here? No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love 
is made complete in us. See, complete doesn't mean God's lacking without us, and somehow he needs us, he's desperate for us, and his love won't mean anything unless we're there. No, he's not saying that. But he's saying as God comes and lives in his people by the Spirit, we're enabled to love one another. And the goodness and love of God is declared to us. See, it points to him. It points to God. And it's also shown to the whole world as well. Jesus says, if uh, this is how the world will know you're my disciples. And what does he say? This is how the world will know you're my disciples. How you, excellent, Liz, yes. How you love one another by the way you love one another. See, we'll declare the greatness of God through words, through alpha, through conversations with people, but also for our genuine love for one another. Do you see how genuine, grace-filled, joy-filled loving of one another is so, so important? See, we haven't got time to go into other things like, um, you know, loving your enemies is particularly shows the love of God, that there's no fear in love. We can't go there today. But what this passage is saying is, there's instruction to love. There's the certainty of God's love. But I want to finish where we began, the source of God's love. See, love makes no sense without God. Life makes no sense without God. When we start with ourselves and try to work out life outside of God and love outside of God, it doesn't work. When we look at God and think, it's about how I love him to get to him, that's how life is. I need to love God and then he'll love me back. Then we get ourselves into a mess. Instead, we start with his love and see the love of God in sending Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, have you made a decision in your life to start with the love of God? Not start with what you can do to get to God and then hopefully he'll accept you, but to start with his love for you on the cross. You can do that this morning. We want to give you an opportunity to do that as we worship together at the end. Or maybe you're not ready for that. You can come and speak to one of us and we can tell you more about that. You can make that decision today to become a Christian. Maybe if you're a Christian here this morning, are you allowing the love of God to get into every area of your life? Are you allowing him in to change every area of you? Are you sharing life with other Christians in a loving community where you can share love in all those different ways I've talked about with them and then with you? I want to encourage you into that this morning. And uh, I think the most appropriate way to respond is to worship and to set our eyes on Jesus afresh, who loves us and is for us. 
If I can ask the band to come up, and I want to pray for us, and then we're going to finish by worshipping him. Let's stand, and let's pray. Jesus. Jesus. Shh, 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 shh. Shh, shh, shh.